You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Check us all out on Twitter, at Walker Mail, at Not of the Scribe. And at Doug Branson LOH, you can find the show handle on most social media platforms at Lockdown Hornets. We have him on on the wake up call frequently during the NBA season. Always enjoy hearing his insight there. We'll head to the guest line now with Dan Favel of NBA Math and Bleacher Report. He's a good follow on Twitter, too. Follow him on Twitter at Dan Favel. Dan, thanks so much for coming on with us. How are you? I'm doing well, Walker. How are you doing? I, I'm doing well, Dan. And by the way, Doug, just so you know, Dan is a part of NBA Math, so he can figure out all of the stats that don't show up in the traditional box score for Cody Zeller. You finally, see. yes, there. That's I am excited. <laughs> that's that's the website you can go check out. And it's and before we we dive into some Hornets talk here, Dan, I do want to talk about NBA Math a little bit. It's a site that I think everybody enjoys going to to see some of the graphs that you guys put out for TPA, the total points added, and it really shows you a good. It's a measuring stick, very good one of just how good some of these NBA players are and it's relatively new right Dan I mean how did this get started and what are you guys about as far as trying to learn some new statistics that you guys come up with um yeah the NBA math is I think a few years old now uh it was started founded by a co-worker and good friend of mine Adam Frommel and the total points added metrics are they're, they're his baby uh he is the brilliant statistical mind behind everything and they're just, it's just a nice, it's another nice catch-all view. It, it is derived from box plus minus, but there are other elements that go into the formula. And it just helps provide that from a distance view that tries to encapsulate how well a player is, is faring in a particular season. And the site overall, while it's kind of gotten away from written content over the last year or so, it's really just to, it, it's there to just provide different context for things. And with the graphs that uh, the Twitter account Uh, sends out with the podcast that we host that tries to go beyond analytics. It's all about just trying to contextualize and make it easier and compelling to understand and discuss all these different numbers that are going around out there right now. So Dan, we joke a lot on this show about how so many people around the Hornets organization say that, you know, Cody Zeller's value can't be found on the stat sheet. And it frustrates me. We hear it all the time. Yeah. It frustrates (laughs) me, Dan, because I feel like guys like you are out there trying to analyze the game, trying to bring us more and more statistical analysis, and somehow Cody Zeller manages to evade all numbers. Does that aggravate <laughs> you when, when they say that about certain players? Uh, it can be sometimes. I think the NBA Twitter specifically has kind of caught on to Cody Zeller's value, at least. Uh, the problem with him is he just he does a lot of things that just don't come up in the box score. You know, those things <laughs> yeah! don't <laughs> there you go, Doug. It's this is Doug. This is Doug's biggest problem. <laughs> it, it's valuable though. I, I'm I'm with you, Dan. I'm with you. Cody Zeller does a lot of things that are that maybe don't show up on the box score, but maybe Doug is just somebody that wants the points. He, he's a good traditional guy. Doug wants the rebounds. He wants the he wants the points. He wants the assists. But Cody Zeller does bring the value. Go to TPA, Doug. Go to NBA Math. You can find him on Twitter at NBA underscore math and also Dan Fable again on Twitter uh, at Dan Fable. All right, Dan, let's talk a little bit more just about the Charlotte Hornets and, and Kimba Walker. He appeared on ESPN's The Jump on Tuesday. And when asked by Rachel what Mitch Kupchak needed to do to keep him long term, 
Kimba says he knows what he has to do. I mean, that, that's all he would give us. You know, Mitch knows what he's got to do. And Dan, what did you take away from Kimba's appearance on the jump the other day? It kind of seems like uh, Mitch Kupchak knows that he needs to pay Kemba Walker to keep him in Charlotte. And that's not really to say anything of Kemba Walker's loyalty or lack thereof. It's just that he's coming off of a four-year, $48 million contract that ended up being one of the big- biggest NBA bargains in recent memory. And so when he's heading into free agency, if you're not going to move him and no one expects them to, they're going to have that five-year carrot. And whether it's the full max or close to the max, I would guess that extra money means something to him and that he's the type of player who believes he'll be good enough long enough into that deal that he would have the leverage to force his way out if need be. Or maybe he's even thinking about signing a shorter term max that gets him into free agency quicker. But that's really what I sort of took away from that. And it's not just his interview. It's just the Hornets in general. When you look at their salary cap situation, their trade assets, uh, they really aren't going to be in a position to make huge moves. It doesn't look like before. 2020 and i don't know that they're asking kemba walker to remain patient behind the scenes but again the fact that they have that fifth year to dangle in free agency and could be willing to give him the full boat in terms of his max salary i think that would mean a lot to him yeah and dan it seems like a lot of people around here at least took it as a a mission for mitch kupchak to carry out to get him some help and we all realize it's going to be very tough but did you get that sense at all or was it all about money to you on the jump I didn't, I don't think I got that sense just from his interview on the jump. And I don't know what he, when you look at the trade market right now, I'm not sure what moves he would want Mitch Kupchak to make or what moves the Hornets are even looking at. There always does seem to be that one primetime player who surprisingly becomes available leading into the trade deadline. You just look at the NBA landscape right now. It's difficult to one spot who that may be. And two, whether the Hornets are going to have the types of assets to get him. Maybe they could go all in on something like a Kevin Love trade, but how much does he really elevate their ceiling, particularly when you don't know how he's going to look coming back from from post-surgery? So maybe it isn't all about the money with Kevin Walker. I'm sure the Hornets need to be in a position to make the playoffs, but I think he and the organization are also realistic when they look at both their asset situation and, and the current NBA trade landscape where they might have to wait until this summer at the earliest to make anything resembling a big splash. Well, and Dan, you mentioned Kevin Love. I mean, Sam Amico reported that the Hornets had fairly strong interest in Kevin Love. Would you consider that to be somebody worth pursuing if you're the Hornets? And uh, to what degree would you pursue it it if that was the case? It's definitely something you consider because I do think while Kevin Love is less value uh, than he was four or five years ago when the NBA was so different back then, He's still a really good player, and if you put him on the offensive end and he's healthy, he's going to be an upgrade over pretty much every single player you have other than Kemba Walker. And if if you can get off Bismack Biombo in that deal because you're taking on a longer uh, extension, I doubt you get off Nicholas Batum in that deal as much as the Hornets would probably want to. I, I think that's what you look at. Would you be willing to give up a protected first? I think you should be. Are you willing to give up Malik Monk? I think you should be. Uh, It's all about can they get off one of that that bigger money deal, whether it's Bismack, Biombo, or Fatum as part of taking Kevin Love back because they would be assuming some risk when you look at how his extension doesn't kick in until next season. Where does uh, Batum's contract rank amongst the bad contracts in the NBA? It's it's pretty bad. It's probably uh, – it'll look a lot better over the summer when he only has two years left, but – He's basically making max money at this point, and you can't even say that he's been the Hornets' fifth or sixth best player right now, and and that's really a problem. There are some longer deals 
that probably uh, usurp him in, in terms of how problematic they are if you look at um, Andrew Wiggins. But even he is on the younger side. And so with the way Batum has been playing for the most part this season, I think you could comfortably say he's among the five or, or ten worst contracts in the NBA right now, which is why it was so puzzling to hear from Sporting News that Sean Davini that Charlotte was hoping Frank Kaminsky would be enough <laughs> of a sweetener to get off that deal. Yeah, he and everybody else here in Charlotte. I, I, I think, yeah, there, there's there's no, it's a no-brainer in that department. And Dan, you also bring up Malik Monk and that being an asset that a team maybe would be willing to take and that actually being something worth the while of sending somebody in return for Malik Monk. An article on New York in the New York Times Malik Monk, it had the headline, he can score, but can he star? Dan, a lot of mixed feelings on Malik Monk here in Charlotte. What do you think about Monk and what you've seen so far? Uh, I thought his offensive game would come along uh, more quickly than it has. I expected him to just be better off the dribble than he has been since coming to Charlotte. He's shooting the three ball a little bit better over the past couple weeks. I don't know if this is just born from a lack of opportunity. When you look at, there have been points where the Hornets go to Devontae Graham before him, or there, there's even been points where you've seen Dwayne Bacon on the court instead of Malik Monk. So I don't know if that's a problem, but I still think he's early enough into his career. And when you look at what he was able to do offensively in college, that no, some team isn't going to treat him as a headlining asset, but they're still going to view him as this intriguing young player who might one day be able to create off the dribble and maybe not be your best playmaker when looking at his passing, but potentially be your third or best passer on the team. Dan, Jeremy Lamb is in a contract year just as well as Kimba Walker is. Now, obviously, Kimba Walker is its a huge discussion, whether you bring him back or not. But also, Jeremy Lamb, it's a question surrounding the Hornets because the guy has played very well this season, and it's been a little bit of a late bloomer for him, but it's somebody that a lot of fans want back. Is that something that you would do if you're the Hornets? And can you really, if you bring back Kimba Walker, just with all the money you have allocated to everybody else? It's something you're, you're certainly interested in. It's We're going on the second season now where you can make a case that Jeremy Lamb has been one of their three best players, if not their second best player this season. And so you absolutely want to bring someone like that back. But there's a big difference between paying him $7 million and then whatever the, the market could dictate that he's worth this year. There are going to be a ton of teams that have cap space this summer. I think general managers and executives will be a little bit more conservative than they were in 2016 but you look at Jeremy Lamb as a potential third scorer on a good team that maybe missed out on some of the other bigger names when you look at how his mid-range game has come along his three ball has been okay over the past couple of seasons he's not a great defender but he really does give you some defensive range because of his his height that's going to be a player that teams look at and so once he starts getting into that if he gets into that 10 12 million dollar range the Hornets really have to think about can they dump salary soon because they are going to be potentially up against a luxury tax after you factor in Kemba Walker's next deal if they don't move off one of their other longer-term agreements. So the, the price just has to be right for them, but they are kind of in this situation where they're not going to have the money to go out to replace him, so they may just feel obligated to, to meet whatever the market dictates he's worth. Dan, I know that you had. Um, I know that the Hornets have recently been rated by Basketball Reference as eighty-two percent likely to make the playoffs. Do you agree with that prediction? And are there what is the biggest threat to possible to them probably not making the playoffs? Um, I would agree that that they seem likely to make the playoffs. I, I'm one of the people who believes in in the Brooklyn Nets. So if you're looking for a team that's going to fall off in that bottom three area, you're probably banking on it being the Miami Heat and perhaps the Detroit Pistons not picking up ground. 
the biggest threat, aside from them deciding to go nuclear and blowing it up, which again does not seem remotely likely at this point, would be do the Wizards figure it out at any point this season? They've been a disaster, but if they don't look at moving Otto Porter, if they don't retrade Trevor Ariza, if they don't even look at moving Bradley Beal and this core stays intact, they are close enough to the, the postseason circle right now where they can really enter that discussion. And if it becomes a matter of you have to pick three teams between the Nets, Heat, Hornets, and Wizards, there is that chance where the, the Hornets could technically fall out of that picture. But I would still look at them as a playoff team in the Eastern Conference. It's, it's just a friendly conference if you're going to be a mediocre team. They do, however, have to start winning games against better opponents. It's been basically over a month now since they beat a team above 500. And if you want to make it into the postseason, even in the East, you do have to start winning some more of those games. And we've spent a lot of time talking about Bradley Beal, especially with uh, you feel like the pressure to add more star power to Kimba Walker and the Charlotte Hornets franchise. One, do you think the Wizards are more prone to trading Bradley Beal now with John Wall out for the rest of the season? And also, it just with the lack of assets that the Hornets have, do you think they could even put a package together that would get Bradley Beal here in Charlotte? I actually do think they could put a nice package together when you start talking about um, future picks, Malik Monk, Jeremy Lamb, some of their salary filler that comes off the book soon. Even Michael Kidd Gilchrist might be someone that could interest Washington. There are teams that can field better offers, though, and I just don't really expect the Wizards to entertain moving him this season. It might be something they look at doing next year if it becomes clear that, okay, the door is closed on this wall Beal partnership. They seem more likely to move Otto Porter right now. And in the event they did move Beal, I would guess it's because either Philly or the Los Angeles Lakers went all in with some of their best packages. And those are two teams that can offer better assets um, than Charlotte can overall. This is Locked on Hornets. Nature's first green is gold. Her hardest hue to hold. Her early leaps a flower, but only so an hour. Then leaf subsides to leaf. So Eden sank to grief. So dawn goes down today. Nothing gold can stay. We need the boys to mend with that now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. And looking elsewhere in the NBA as well, Dan, you, know, you look at fourth in the East, uh, you have the Philadelphia 76ers, despite them being that high in the Eastern Conference, there certainly seems to be some chemistry issues there. Jimmy Butler can decide where he wants to go play in 2019. To what extent do you believe in Philly this season and should they move on already from Jimmy Butler? I don't think they should trade Jimmy Butler just because this is the reason why uh, you tank all those years ago is you wanted to be in a position to acquire that top 15 player. And they did. And they have Joel Embiid and Hop. Ben Simmons has his flaws. He's still a really good player. You have to give these three the rest of this season. That's why you make that trade uh, in, in the first place. That being said, it does seem like they, they could have a concern leading into the summer. Their ceiling is the NBA Finals appearance. That's how wide open the Eastern Conference is. If, if you said the Sixers came out of the East, it wouldn't be a real surprise. You would expect it to be Toronto or Boston or Milwaukee bef before them, but the top of the East is kind of that close when looking at their talent level. The bigger issue is what happens if they don't make the finals? How convincing are they going to be in the playoffs? Can they make it to the second round? Can they make it to the Eastern Conference finals? When they do lose, is it going to be in convincing fashion? Or are they going to get ripped apart by the Bucks, the Raptors, 
or the Celtics. And, and if it doesn't work, if it doesn't come close to working in the postseason, uh, that's when you run the risk of losing Butler, who maybe goes out in free agency and finds himself a better fit or just a team that's more equipped to give him those isolation and pick and roll ball handler touches that he seems to crave. Dan, one more question about the league overall. Are the Indiana Pacers probably the most underrated team in the league right now? They're up there. I might still go with the Denver Nuggets because I feel like people still don't realize they're at the top of the Western Conference. But you look at what Indiana has been able to do defensively. Uh, they're second in points allowed for 100 possessions this season. It doesn't seem like they ever have a minus player on the floor. It's not that they have a ton of two-way players. Uh, you look at a guy like Doug McDermott. He's not really going to help you too much on the defensive end. Uh, you look at Bojan Bogdanovic. He's not a great defender, but he helps you on the offensive end. It's just no matter where you go on their depth chart, they have a good player who's really good at something. And they have so many players who are good at a bunch of things, including two-way guys like Oladipo, uh, Thaddeus Young, DeMantis Sabonis. Miles Turner has come a long way defensively and probably remains an even offensive asset. It's just a lot. Their depth is overwhelming. And uh, it does seem like the playoffs come down to star power more often than not. So it would be a little bit surprising if they're able to come out of the East. But Man, they're really good, and if you said that they were one of the Eastern Conference Finals participants, I don't think it should be considered a surprise at this point. So, Dan, again, you are heavily involved in NBA math. Just wondering, uh, will NBA math start tracking the floor slaps to made baskets given up ratio, and can it be called the ratio? I'll take my answer off air. Thank you. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably start tracking them next season just so we don't hurt Kelly Oubre's contract value uh, this summer more than he already has. But that should definitely become a stat because if you're going to smack the floor, you can't. I'm not saying that you have to steal the ball or block the shot, but you can't, you can't let him score on you three seconds later. Yeah, you tell Adam Frommel about that. Let, let's get that stat going. I, I want that baby. I want total points added, and I want him to come up with that as well. That's Dan Favel of Bleach Report. He's also the deputy editor of NBA Math. He's also the co-host of Hardwood Knox. He does a lot of stuff. It's all great stuff, and we appreciate uh, appreciate him joining us here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Dan, thanks once again, man. We'll talk to you later. No problem. Thank you for having me. All right. Once again, Dan Favel. Find him on Twitter at Dan Favel as well. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with plenty more here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You are listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. And Doug, don't you have an Eldon Campbell like stuffed animal type thing? Yes, I do. I got it at the last regular season home game that they had before they left for New Orleans. I, look, I love me some Eldon Campbell, but is that, is they, that the they were just they were clearing everything out of the house because it was whatever they gave to the fans that night. They didn't have to take with them to New Orleans. Get more Hornets analysis on LockedOnHornets.com. We're giving you daily Hornets talk in your podcast feed. We need you to show your support by joining our Patreon page for as little as $1 a month, just $1. You'll be supporting the content that you depend on. That's patreon.com slash LOH. Dan Favel joining us in the previous segment. Some great stuff from him. Doug coming up with some new stats. Just as a suggestion for the NBA math Twitter handle, the site that he is the deputy editor of. Obratio. That was crazy. Watching Kelly Oubre just smack it, get in his zone, and then Luka Doncic destroy him. It was Luka, right? That was yeah, the was, guy. That yeah, was Luka. Right. 
uh, NBA math or hardwood knocks, uh, they better show me some support in the form of monetary compensation. <laughs> yeah, financial if they, support. If they use Ubratio. And uh, I want everyone listening to make sure they stay on top of this. Listen to Hardwood Knox and go to NBA Math and make sure they don't steal my idea. Do we have any other notorious floor slappers? I mean, we can go to... Not for yeah. not for 20 years, basically. Right. Well, we can go to Duke and what was it? Steve Wojciechowski. Right. We can go to Wojo. Colin Sexton did it. Did Colin Sexton yeah, do in it? In the preseason, yeah. And he got burnt just like that. And well, so there we were, it we were remi- talking about it. It reminds me, and I forget what game it was, it reminds me of now a meme in that college football game where the wide receiver is given the, the come here sign, come here and get it sign, and the defensive back just blows him up as he's trying to make a tackle <laughs> in the backfield. That has become a meme. That's what it reminds me of. Here, come here and get it. And then when you get it, you just look like a fool. And Doncic gave it to him. Yeah, Doncic gave it to him. It's the second funniest thing I saw all night. Um, anything out of that interview that was worth your while, at least, interesting-wise, that's something that kind of got your attention the most? I, I think we've discussed quite a bit on this show the value of Bradley Beal yeah. and a potential way of getting him, putting together a package. Seemed like Dan didn't think that was out of the question. Actually kind of liked the chances if the Hornets came together with a package, but there are other teams certainly that have better assets. That's the one thing that he did say that I agree with. It surprised me that it's po- he thinks it's possible, because I really don't, but he also said there are other teams with better packages, L.A., Philly being amongst them. Um, the other thing that surprised me is that he thinks Batum could be gone as early as next summer because it's a more tenable thing with that with that contract. And I kind of agree. I also think that, again, they have $40 million they can shed essentially next next season anyway. Would, wouldn't it be, I was thinking about this the other day, would, would it not benefit the Hornets more at this point if Nick Batum voiced his frustration for the organization? Like there's no explanation to why he has been playing as blandly as boringly, as badly as he's played over the past couple of years because he is not offering any of those like, well, it's just not a great fit, the coaching staff, blah, blah, blah. No, there's nothing like that. If he did that, you could at least make the case that, yeah, he's not working here, but he could work for you. Well, that that's all in the onus of any general manager or coach that thinks they can fix it. And obviously, there's not a whole lot of people in pursuit of Nick Batum. And the one thing about Nick, you know, I we read that tweet from George Sedano on 730 the game a couple of years ago. He spoke to a scout that didn't think he was going to play as hard once he got his money. I it doesn't seem like he's engaged a whole lot offensively. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a guy that has been criticized for just standing in the corner not doing anything. So it, it's you mentioned him just being bland. Like just a guy where it doesn't seem at least it's it's not completely apparent that his effort is 100% all the time out there on the court. What's scary is he's about 50 pounds away from being Bars D out in, in this town. <laughs> I think that's a great point. That, you know, that, even got the nationality scary. right. I mean, it's it's a great point. You that, know, Nick Batum, somebody that can facilitate like Boris Diaw could somebody that could shoot a little bit like Boris Diaw could. Is that what we're saying? Or if we're, are we doing a Hold calorie on. spike of Hold Boris Diaw right on. now? Boris Diaw contributed to the local economy of Charlotte by opening several <laughs> restaurants. So I will not have this Boris. And look, if if Nick Batum well, decides to open up to a couple it. of French bistros, yeah. then we can talk. Oh, all right. You're not going to have any Boris Diaw slander on this. That's apparent. No, no, no. The, uh, I, I will say this. I defend Boris Diaw for his the last year in Charlotte because, quite frankly, if you're telling me that there's nothing to really care about and that this te- the team is tanking, 
I'd have done the same thing. In a lockout year on that, I'd have done the same thing. He's blameless to me. I blame the organization for what happened to Boris Diaw, not Boris Diaw. Yeah, well, but and Paul Boring Silas. Boring us, Yeah, right. There you go. That's Paul, what Batum is. Yeah, but, <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's his calorie spike and also just his blandness of play. And Boris Diaw. More like boring us, DL. Yeah. Player hater comp on the. <laughs> that is that is a player hater comp. I apologize. We have too many games going on. I went to the wrong game. I went to the calorie spike. It should be the player hater comp. And also, just looking at the jump and Kimba Walker's appearance, didn't get to get your guys' takes on what you saw from Kimba Walker, who did appear on the jump on Tuesday. Mentioned that you know Mitch knows what he needs to do. What was both of your takeaways from seeing those comments? I got scared. I got scared. I got to the point where, again, I've been a, you don't trade Kemba under any circumstance and you let it play out. I'm kind of looking for the back door now. I'm kind of scared that there is a chance that if you let this play out and he feels like he can't compete, he's out. And it's not going to be to Brooklyn. It's not going to be to, it's not going to be to any other New York teams. It's going to be to one place. It's going to be with LeBron. And we're going to enjoy that one. I just took it as a confirmation that this whole thing is not confusing to me. And it hasn't been confusing to me for a while. Kimball Walker wants to win basketball games, but I think he also likes living and playing basketball in Charlotte. If Charlotte can ultimately prove that they are able to get into the playoffs consistently and win in the playoffs, they have to convince Kimball Walker of that, then he'll stay. It'll be an easy decision for him. If Mitch Kupchak and company cannot uh, adequately prove that to him, then I think he'll look elsewhere. It's just a confirmation for me. No, I'm I'm with you. I think I think there obviously is a path that Kimba wants. See, I kind of did take it as you know Dan t- takes it as just the money aspect and sure you know I mean pay him his money. Right? There's there's not going to be any player that's willing. You know, Cody Zeller I feel like was the one guy, and it so would be Cody Zeller. Cody Zeller was the one guy that I think made a comment. You know, I just didn't want to deal with it all. I just wanted to get a contract out of the way, so we just kind of signed it, and that was about it. Like, it, it well, look, if, if Charlotte messes around with the money with Kimba Walker, then they deserve to lose. Yes, <laughs> well, I, I mean that's just bottom line. Well, it, you know, I there there is an argument to be made for not paying him the max. I'm not saying it, they should. It, it's not a good one. Well, it, there's an argument to be made for not paying him the max if you're any organization but Charlotte. Yeah, well, you know, it's there's just too much wrapped up in that. Now, I, I I think that there is a better argument to be made. I mean, look, you you have if you sign Kimba Walker, that means you have zero money to al- allocate to anybody else because you're so strapped. I agree with you guys. I want to pay Kimba Walker. I want to get that clear. But also, I, I don't think that it's just mind blowingly dumb to say no. You you have to sign him under any possible circumstance because I think there is an argument to be made. Well. You know, they they have shown that they want to be in the middle of the road so badly, or at least be good. But it's all been middle of the road stuff. Maybe it is something that you blow up. But I I, I agree with you guys. So I do want to keep Kimball. I don't think it's a no. Let me let me clarify my position. I don't think it's a no brainer that the Hornets have to sign Kimball Walker. But what I'm saying is, if you as an organization decide to mess around with the money with Kimball Walker or try to you know get him on another cheap deal then he's just going to walk. Sure. Like the, the thing is, I think Kimball Walker in this negotiation has the leverage. No, I got you on that. No, I, I agree with you. If, if they do, right, if they do mess around on the money, then there is somebody that is willing to pay Kimball Walker that money. Right, that That's the one thing. Guys are always, we always are shocked at some of the money that some players get mm-hmm. every single time. And at this point, it's, you know, it shouldn't be shocking to us because there's so much money, especially with the calorie spike, as I like to say, the salary cap spike that we are going to see here soon. 
in the next season and the season after that. I mean, there's going to be a lot of money to be offered. That's why Jeremy Lamb is probably not going to be here with the Hornets. It's why you have to pay Kimba the Max because somebody else is going to pay Kimba the Max. And so the future of this team is extremely interesting. And we got to hear some of Kimba's comments on a national stage. Yes, we did. And I will slightly disagree with Doug on this. You pay Kemba what he wants to be, what he wants to get paid. If he gets the full boat, he gets that full two twenty three. I think it is. You pay him that, and you know why you do? Because there's no one else that's going to be good enough to draw people to this stadium right now. Malik's not there. Miles isn't there. Jeremy Lamb's not there. Michael Kidd Gilchrist will never get there. Billy or I can't even forget the Spanish name. I we figured out for it. the Spanish swinging gate. Not good enough. <laughs> That's you just want to use the English translation. Yes, exactly. And it, they're not there. Unfortunately, that's what it is. You got to pay him what he wants because if you if not, it's going to be a ghost town. All right, thank you. Yep. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow. <laughs>